Hello. We are so glad that you could join us today. Our prayer is that as you listen to the word, you would take this time to draw nearer to God as an individual and as a family. God loves you so so much, and his desire is for you to get closer to him in this season through worship, through dwelling in his word and prayer. Well, good morning, and uh, this morning I want to just welcome you to uh, the third message in a series that we've been talking about called Stepping into the Light. And uh, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about the uh, power of mercy triumphing over uh, judgment. And uh, today, I, I want to I pick up on the same idea of uh, walking into the light. In fact, our, our text for this message has been 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, last week I, I spoke about the relationship of mercy and truth in relationship to walking in the light. This week, I want to talk about or touch on the subject of grace and truth. You see, we need a merciful church to begin to emerge in our sin-sick world. But just how much mercy should we expect to have? How much mercy should we expect to come out of our lives? How much or how merciful should we as the church actually be? I think that's a pretty good question. Can you have too much mercy? Well, Luke chapter 6, 36, I think sums it up. It says in that verse of scripture, be merciful just as your father is merciful. <laughs> what does the father's mercy look like? How merciful is God? You know, the, the Old Testament speaks of God's mercy more than 200 times. Uh, in fact, in First Chronicles and, and in many places in the Psalms, uh, it says, in uh, uh, First Chronicles, I think it's 16, it says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Uh, one verse says, His mercies are new to us every morning. Uh, the Psalms repeat and echo this. It says, again, his mercy endureth forever. In fact, there's one Psalm where that's the, 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 the response uh, the, the psalmist says one thing, and the people are supposed to recant and, and are supposed to say, His mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. What did our Father do in His mercy? Well, He sent His only begotten Son to die on the cross for your sins and my sins. You see, you and I as believers can do nothing less than what he did. You and I must also attempt to live our lives in a way that reflects the nature of Christ. And as I taught last week, he came and instead of destroying his enemies, he forgave them and he died for them. And he tells us to do the same. He tells us to forgive those that hate us, forgive those that persecute us, to despitefully use us. 
Again, like I related last week, God is a just God. He doesn't withhold from us the revelation of what you and I have done wrong. I think it's important we understand that, that God's not, he's just, but he, he, because he's just, he points out our sins. In fact, he confronts our sinfulness, and he'll even chastise us. Kind of in the same way the Bible says that a natural father will discipline or chastise and correct his natural children. So God disciplines, chastises, that's the word he uses, those that he loves. But God also does not want us to bury our, bury our heads in the sand and ignore the sins of our society. See, sometimes I think it gets a little bit painful to see everything going on, and it's easier just to hope it goes away. But central to the mission of the Holy Spirit is his role to bring conviction to the world. John 16, verse 8 says, And when he has come, the Holy Spirit, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. So, if you and I are to be merciful, even as the Father is merciful, we must also be prepared to speak in defense of righteousness. You see, there are times that you and I, we, are called to warn loved ones or churches or cities or nations of the dire consequences of defying God's impending judgments. You see, if we see someone or if we are in a position to engage leaders regarding issues, policies, or practices that could lead to judgment or to harm, then we're obliged to speak out. But at the same time, we must do so without personal vindictiveness or wrath. You know, we can never make this about a personal wrong or an emotional slight. What, um, this, is, this, is, this is why we must move beyond thinking about only ourselves. This is why we must grow up and mature. You know, I, I'm always shocked when I, I, I talk to people that their whole lives revolve around themselves. They're constantly viewing life through their own eyes. You know, if you view your life through your own set of circumstances, your own eyes, pretty soon you're going to be the victim and not the victor. Pretty soon you're going to be the one that is always being slighted, always hurt. You're the one that's oppressed. You're the one that is uh, being judged. And, and, and that's a terrible place to live. You know, when you've been redeemed, when you're free, you no longer think about yourself. You, you're, you're thinking of others. You're thinking of how to bring them into proper relationship, how to bring them out of darkness and into light. And, and only mature people can do that. You know, if you're, if you're listening today and you find yourself, even in this message, oh, getting offended or, or you feel like I'm talking just to you. Well, God may be speaking to you by his Holy Spirit, but the point is, uh, let's not focus so much on ourselves. Let's let God heal us. Let's get over ourselves and begin to think about bigger pictures. Think about our role in society. Think about God, his righteousness, and how we can lead others into that. You see, there's going to be times when we'll be called upon to proclaim from the rooftops the truths of God. Now, no matter how hard the message God has given to you and I may seem to be, we can never make such proclamations out of a judgmental or self-righteous attitude. You see, God's mercy is better served when those of us who deliver the message, those who have 
to, to, to those who have sinned, if we can say things like this, what you have done is wrong, but God offers opportunities for redemption. What is happening in the nation is wrong, but God has plans for our good, for a hope, and for a future. You see, ours is uh, to speak in such a manner as to offer the plan of redemption. When God calls us to correct another person, we must learn how to do so with the right spirit. You see, when we present ourselves to those who are sinning, we must do so in a Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 manner, in a spirit of gentleness, each looking to himself, lest he too be tempted. You know, I have a dear friend, uh, Pastor Ray McCauley, and uh, back in the early years of our church, we had him come up and do a conference. And I'll never forget, we put him in the Jameson Hotel, and at that time, that was one of the best hotels in the country. And, uh, but it was getting tired, even at that time. And I, I remember taking him up to his room the first day, and the bed sagged, and it, was, it wasn't the best. It wasn't the best. <laughs> I was a little bit embarrassed, but uh, he was so gracious. Anyway, uh, I'll never forget taking him home after a dinner one night, and uh, he says, no, no, don't, don't come up with me. I'll, I'll just get in the, the lift, and I'll go up to my room by myself. And as the lift door opens, this drunk guy staggers out and falls on the ground right at the front of the lift. And... Uh, Ray looks at me, and he steps over this guy, and he goes into the lift, and I'll, I'll never forget the look in his eyes, and I'll never forget as those doors closed on that lift how I felt. Ray tells the story about what happened. When the doors of the lift closed, Ray said to himself, how disgusting that person is. And he says, that quickly, the Holy Spirit spoke to him. He said to him, the only difference between him and you is me. That, that message that Ray heard that day became foundational to his ministry. It's a message I've heard him speak about all over the world. Uh, he may not have had the greatest experience here in Zimbabwe, but he heard a word from God. And it's a message that would hold all of us in good stead if we were to hear it and to heed it. Another way of saying this is when we're called to confront another person in their sin or in their weakness, our attitude should be, there go I, but by the grace of God. You see, the redemption of God is ill-served if we fail to warn the world of its sin. You see, if we see someone about to cross a street and he doesn't notice a car bearing down on him, my warning is an act of love, not criticism. Our warnings to those who are about to be destroyed by sin must likewise be acts of love, not anger and self-righteous judgment. We all know how much Jesus, the Messiah, loved his disciples. Yet, when he needed to, he did not withhold correction, discipline, or even rebuke from them. His words came from the same heart that labored for long hours in ministry to the multitudes of people wherever he went. He was, went about, he went about healing and delivering and caring for people. You see, and Jesus' reproofs to his disciples were just an extension of his ministry and were clearly an expression of his love 
for his disciples. We can see this uh, when Jesus, in the book of Revelation, gives an evaluation of the seven churches. He doesn't withhold his warning from them. Let me give you an example. I won't read all seven, but let's just take the first one, the, 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 book of Eph- uh, the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. The Bible says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience, and for my sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent. And do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and I will remove your candlestick out of its place, except you repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. For all seven churches, here in this book of Revelations, Jesus warns them of their sins. But he also presents hope. Hope along with his promises. You see, Jesus always, for these churches and for you and I, He always communicates encouragement and draws attention to the strengths and the virtues that not only the churches, but that you and I have attained before he brings rebuke or correction. It's the same pattern that you and I must use when we present truth to sinners. If all we ever present is their failings without acknowledging the good attributes and the graces that are in their lives, those things that have been given to them by God, Our correction falls way short of the character of Christ. See, the real issue is not how we handle other sins, but how in the midst of their sins we reveal Christ. See, God doesn't want us to remain silent in the face of iniquity, but to communicate the full counsel of the heart of God and the great love wherewith Christ has loved us. We have to appreciate some things. First of all, we have to appreciate There is virtue in people's lives. And we have to appreciate it when we see it. We must be willing to give encouragement when it's needed. The life of a mature Christian can speak truth in love. Speak the truth in love. You know, too much truth can bludgeon someone to death. Too much love can skirt the issues. But truth in love. Speak the truth in love. I'll tell you, that's going to help people. This simply means that we can communicate as much love as we do truth. Jesus is our example. You know, Jesus didn't condemn Jerusalem even as he was warning the city of its coming judgments. He didn't just reproach the city for what was wrong. The Bible says he wept over the city. 
Luke 19.41, it says, And when he was come near, he beheld the city, and he wept over it. You know, Jesus said, Oh, how I would have gathered you. I would have loved to, like a mother hen gathers her chicks, bring you under my protection. I would love to have taken care of you. He says, But you did not know the hour of your visitation. They didn't know who he was. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't know that within a few short years that, nation, that, that city would be torn down, that the temple would be ruined, that, that everything they knew, everything they trusted in would be gone. Jesus spoke about it. He, he confronted the, the, the Pharisees of his day. He confronted the sin of the city. But he did it in love. He did it with weeping. You see, Jesus must be our model. And we have to avoid emulating angry, politically disappointed Christians. Our goal is to represent Christ. The more our openness to the nature of Christ diminishes, the longer we will find ourselves harboring unforgiveness and resentment towards sinners. You see, if your heart is growing cold, you become intolerant of the sinners. You become intolerant of the politicians. You become intolerant of people around you. And when our hearts become hard, we become hard. You know, I, I feel compelled to pick up on a topic I spoke about a few weeks ago. I want to sound a warning that Jesus gave to those that he ministered to while he was speaking about what, what would happen in the end of the age. In Matthew 24, 12, he says, Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Now, many Christians think that this verse is saying that the lawlessness will increase because the love has grown cold. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus was saying that because of the degree and perversity of sin, the love of many of his followers will grow cold. See, as sinfulness increases, as the complexities and the perilousness of the age increases, it's easy to become hardened. It's easy to let your hearts get hardened and to grow cold. Boy, I see some divisiveness, some divisiveness between these issues around this vaccine and around this, this so-called COVID panic and pandemic. And, you know, some are very, you know, open and say, hey, listen, I, I don't think there's anything to it. I think it's just... I think it's kind of a, 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 a much ado about nothing. You know, 99% of the people get healed. Others are walking around and they're afraid, they're fearful. But here's what's happening. It doesn't matter which is right or wrong. If our hearts are hardening towards each other, if our hearts are hardening towards the situation, let's have open debate. Let's go ahead and be strong and be fully persuaded in our own hearts. And if somebody gets a, gets a vaccine and somebody doesn't, it's okay. If somebody believes it's a, a terrible pandemic, and if somebody doesn't, that's okay. I, we can agree to disagree. We can be mature. But let's not let it harden us or cause our hearts to grow cold. You see, the issue is not that the world has cold love. Because they have never had anything but cold love. The world's love is selfish love. How could it be anything but that? You see, real love only emanates from God and God in us. The issue lies with you and I, God's people, who when they see abounding iniquity, 
have a tendency or we begin to grow angry and cautious. And the warning is for you and I as saints, not for sinners. We would be greatly deceived if any of us thought that we were somehow immunized against cold love. The Bible warns that there will be times before Jesus returns when the world will seem utterly out of control. Christians will be wounded and even enraged. Brother will turn on brother and the degenerating moral conditions will cause many to wonder if there's any use, or if there's even any hope. You see, it's our love that's in danger when these conditions become pre- prevalent. See, we have to be prepared to do something to avoid this coldness of heart, this coldness. We don't want it to enter into our hearts. What's one of the roots of cold love? You know, I've learned that if we don't learn to go directly to the person who we feel has sinned against us or that, we have, uh, that have somehow violated us, anger begins to set in. And before long, we can find ourselves having kind of an unbridled feeling or unbridled feelings toward the one who we perceive has hurt us or offended us or violated us. Matthew 18 Verses 15 through 17 says, Moreover, if your brother shall trespass against thee, go to him and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take thee one more or two, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. And if he neglect to hear the church, then let him be to you as a publican or a heathen man. Our first responsibility is to go ourselves to the brother that has offended us. Go to him. Try to make peace. Then, if we can't bring another brother along and make sense of it, we bring it before the church. And if that person still doesn't respond, we treat them as a heathen man or a publican. How how, how do you treat heathens and publicans? You love them. You desire that they get born again. You desire that they come to the knowledge of Christ, that they come into the light. Our whole goal is always redemptive. You see, we have to understand that as believers, we do suffer genuine injustices and offenses. But seething over them can consume our own souls. In fact, that word seethe is a very interesting word. By definition, it means to soak or saturate in a liquid or to boil. Uh, For this case, both of those definitions fit. Think about it. An unforgiveness soaks into our thoughts then steadily rises to a boil in our spirits. Now, we may not be able to speak immediately with the person who's in sin or who has violated us. So, before we go to them, we must first of all take it to the Lord. Although Jesus said in Matthew 24, 12, because iniquity would abound, that the love of many would wax cold. Paul also said in Romans 5.20, he said, where sin increases or it has increased, grace abounded all the more. Grace will much more abound. What this simply means is that we have a choice in the matter. You and I have a choice. We can either let our hearts harden with anger, seethe, or we can find grace that is greater and more powerful than iniquity, more powerful than sin. 1 John 5, 16, if anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and God will give him for those who commit sin, not leading to death, 
There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. Here's, 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 what, here's what's being said here. We are to pray for those that commit sins that don't lead to death. Now, what are the deadly sins? Well, they're listed in the Bible. It's the violations of the Ten Commandments. It's things like adultery and uh, lying and stealing. And, 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 and uh, you know, there's some very deadly things. And if you are doing those things, they lead to death. Adulteries are, 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 and fornications. God says, no such person shall see the kingdom of heaven. Drunkards. I, I, so I think we have to be careful. But he says, if you see someone that is not committing a sin of death, he says, pray for them. Take it to God. So, in truth, the very place that we should go first when we're offended is to the Lord. It's in Him that we find the correct attitude to respond with grace to the sinner's condition. Now, having said that, the best time to talk to people about their sin is after God has spoken to you about your attitude. (laughs) God needs to speak to you so that you can speak in a proper attitude towards them. When we speak to someone about what we perceive they have done wrong, we have to do it in mercy. Speaking with humility, not wrath, expressed in some kind of self-righteousness. Our call is to present Jesus Christ in all things. And if we will do so, we will represent him as the perfect embodiment of both grace and truth. Today, my hope and my desire is that you'll take a hard look at yourself and say, am I a representative of grace I a representative of truth? Am I one that God can use to speak truth to a fellow believer, to someone who's hurt me or violated me, even into my own marriage or my own children? Am I, am I able to help people step out of darkness into light? Am I able to warn in the same way I would out of the care that I have for them? If I saw someone crossing and a car coming. You know, I've had that experience many times. I've, I've taken people to, well, here in this country, we bring Americans here and we uh, take them downtown or we, we go walking in the streets. And, you know, Americans invariably look the wrong way because traffic is the opposite. So here I think we're supposed to look left first and then right. There you look right first and then left. So they're looking right. And they step out, and more than times than not, I've had to pull them up off back onto the curb while this truck or this car passes by them. I don't jerk them out of the street because I'm angry at them or I'm judging them. I'm saving their lives. In the same way, that's how it is sometimes with sin. We love you so much, we don't want you to perish. We don't want you to allow sin to have its effect. I'm not saying you'll go to hell. What I am saying is that you may create a hell of a life on earth for yourself if you allow that sin to continue. Some people are blinded by their sin. Some people are blinded by their anger. Some people are blinded by the fact that they don't even know that it's sin. They don't have enough light. They don't have enough truth. They haven't fellowshiped with Christ enough. That's where you and I as believers help each other. We walk with each other. We have real relationships. We confront each other. Today, you may be listening and 
you're feeling confronted by the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. You are a sinner. We are all sinners. If you're listening and you've never given your life to Christ, you're a sinner. And I tell you, there's a truck barreling down on you. It's called hell. But God never intended for you to go to hell. He intended for you to be snatched from hell by Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for you. If you've never given your life to Christ, right now is a great time to do so. Just put your hand on your heart. And with all the faith you can muster, with all the truth you can bring up to bear, just say this. Say, Jesus, I realize I'm undone. I'm a sinner. And if I were to die right now, I'm not sure heaven would be my home. But also I see the effect of sin, the guilt, the shame, the confusion, the pain that it's causing in my life. I'm trapped. I need a Savior. Jesus, would you come into my heart? Would you come into my life? Would you save me from my sin? Would you save me from my wickedness? I repent. I turn from it. I'm asking you for your help today. Please, Lord, help me. Come into my heart. If you prayed that prayer or your heart is agreeing with that prayer, God says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He says that if you will believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, confess with your mouth that God has raised him from the dead, he says you'll be saved. Actually, it says just the opposite of this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. There's only one way to heaven, through the Son. Jesus is the only way. He is the truth. He's the life. For some of you, uh, I, uh, I know this season has been very hard on many marriages. It's been hard on many lives. And sometimes we have this tendency to pretend. We, we, we look good on the outside, but on the inside we're, we're broken, we're hurt, we're sore. And the only way we can get that cleaned is to step into the light, to get the light to shine and to heal us and to deliver us. If you're, if you're in that condition today, please, we all need help. Whether you've just been born again or you need help, there's some numbers on the screen. Don't be afraid to phone those numbers. If you've been born again, if you just prayed that prayer with me, call the person on the other end of that line. Tell them. Let them help you. They'll give you some next steps. They'll tell you how to get into a church, a Bible-believing church. They'll tell you how to find fellowship. They'll, try how to, they'll help you if you're in, 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 around a celebration church. We'll get you into a cell group and you'll make some new friends. Uh, you'll walk in fellowship with God and with each other. For those of you that are maybe in a backslidden condition or you're just struggling, the person on the other end of that line can help you. They can get you to a pastor or to a counselor. Or they themselves can pray with you. They can give you some information how to get into a cell group, how to get your needs met. Please, don't hesitate. Make that call right now. Pick up the phone. Take the time to phone that number. Write it down. If you don't do it today, write the number down. That, that Phone number is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's somebody on the other end of that line that'll take your call. So we love you. Uh, we'll see you again next week. May God richly bless you. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that you were blessed and that God will continue to transform your life in this season. If you have a testimony or need prayer and counseling, please send a WhatsApp or a call me to 
plus 263-784-303900 or plus 263-717-459999. We want to hear from you and we're here for you and are ready to listen to you, to pray for you and to celebrate with you. So thank you. We love you and stay safe.